The views expressed on The Pickleball Show are not necessarily those of the USAPA. The Pickleball Show is the official podcast of the USAPA dedicated to growing the sport of pickleball around the country. Show your support and become a USAPA member today. Visit USAPA.org. From Bainbridge Island to the Villages. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in America. Buckeye to Abbotsford. Time out, baby, yeah! St. George to Rochester and all points in between. If you've heard of pickleball or you already play it, then you know. This is the Pickleball Show. This is Gail Leach, author of The Art of Pickleball, and here's the host of The Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Live from the PBX Club Studios in Asheville, North Carolina, it's The Pickleball Show. I am your host, Chris Allen, about to continue splitting a six-pack with national champion Brian Staub. First, though, I wanted to make you aware of the announcement last week that we made in case you missed last week's episode We are doing Pickleball Summit again. It's coming to the Midwest, coming to Indianapolis, Indiana on October 14th, 15th, 16th. We're going to have a beautiful facility, 24 indoor air-conditioned pickleball courts, state-of-the-art facility with a restaurant built in, Jonathan Bird's Fieldhouse at Grand Park in Indianapolis, and our pros... Well, we're going to have six pros. That's right. We had four in Charlotte. Now we're going to have six, and it's really going to be something. We've got national champion Matthew Blom. We've got national champion Gigi LaMaster. National champion Brian Staub. We've got TOC Masters champion Robert Elliott, his wife, Jody Elliott, medalist from the U.S. Open. And also, you've heard him here on the Pickleball Show, one of the best coaches on the pickleball scene right now, Mark Renison from Third Shot Sports. All six of those world-class pros will be joining us in Indianapolis on October 14th, 15th, 16th. You can get your tickets right now. Go to pickleballsummit.com. That's pickleballsummit.com. And during August, you can bring a partner for half price. Buy one ticket, get the next one for half price. And your partner does not have to be the same skill level as you. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you're a 4-0 and let's say your your spouse is a 3-0, that's fine. You both can come and join your respective groups. Groups are uh, divided into skill levels and you can both learn and take your game to the next level. That's pickleballsummit.com. Looking forward to seeing you there. All right, let's rejoin our conversation with Brian Staub from the Villages, Florida. When we left off, we were talking about the balance of the game. I mentioned that one of the great things about pickleball to me is the balance, the the fact that there are so many ways to win, so many ways to lose, and that pickleball really is a truly balanced game. And Brian, wanted to get your take on that. Definitely got some balance, that's for sure. And, and, <laughs> and although I will say this too, you know, it, it is changing, especially at the top of the women's game, the top of the men's game. It, it's definitely changed a little bit now. You're, you know, it used to be that you would take a ball, you hit that soft third shot, you come in, and that's where you'd create that that dink fest. You know, you had 50, 60 dinks in a row. Now you're not going to see that as much. People, people are a lot quicker to be able to hit the ball at somebody and keep it down and create it the next shot. So I think the points have shortened recently. Um, I, you know, the onyx ball, things of that nature, is going to slow it down a little bit even more. But the parity is nice. I would agree with that. 
Where do you come down on the uh, the new ball standards and uh, the Dura ball versus the Onyx ball versus the Jugs ball and uh, maybe having one universal ball that's good for indoors and outdoors? What's your take on all that? I think that the one universal ball is going to be a tough thing. And I, I give this as an example. For a guy that lives on the East Coast right now, very difficult to go out to the Tournament of Champions and play at altitude because, you know, I, I love the Duraball, but the ball, it, it just flies so much easier. And everybody goes, well, go out a couple of days earlier and you'll you'll feel it better. You'll be able to do more things with it. But it's just very difficult for me because I think it's more than just, you know, I think it's changing shot selections, things like that. With that being said, you know, the new Onyx ball, I've played with it a couple of times. I like it because it does slow things down, gives you the ability to hold it a little bit longer, gives you a little bit of ability to roll the ball, create a little more spin. Mm-hmm. Dink Fest become longer. I know that one of the finals out there recently was Matt and Marson and Morgan and Wes. Oh, yeah, had, I watched that one. That was good. Oh, the two-hour final. <laughs> so that's a whole different animal. It's a little bit tougher to shorten that point with that ball. I, I kind of like that. I, I, I do like that ball, and, and its consistency for the bounce is really nice as well. But Probably matching a ball up for altitude as much as as much as indoor outdoor is huge for me. To me, the the most important relationship on the court is the relationship between your paddle and the ball. And uh, you know, the ball should just feel the same coming off your paddle time and time and time again. I'm always going to have to adjust to court surfaces, whether it rained earlier in the morning, you know, and it's humidity stuff like that. But I want that relationship between the surface of the paddle and the ball to be as constant as I can possibly have. To me, that's why it makes more sense to, to try and have kind of a universal ball that's going to feel the same whether I'm here in North Carolina. If you go out to Arizona, and I know what you're talking about with altitude and and again you're just going to have to adjust to elements like that just like wind and sun and everything else but if i can lock in that relationship between the ball and the paddle i think that uh that makes for the best play you know i can possibly muster from myself what do you think I think that's worded well. I think that 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 would be perfect if you could do that in a, you know in a perfect world. And I think that's a lot of what you're creating. The the hard the durable is nice. I think you know it's affected by conditions as well. You come to Florida, the durable gets pretty soft, and the points slow down. You go to a colder environment, it becomes a little bit harder, and points become a little bit quicker. To create any kind of consistency like that would be would be a great idea. Uh, I think you worded it well. How's your beer doing? Oh, great! I need to get my get another one here in a minute. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Daddy. <laughs> 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 oh, and I should say this: that uh, a lot of people like to listen to the podcast in the morning on their way to work or on their way to uh, the courts. But uh, rest assured that we're recording this uh, later in the day, much later in the day. So it's perfectly okay that we, uh, you know, have these beers now. I didn't want you to think, Jesus, seven in the morning, and they're already drinking beers. What's wrong with a beer at 7 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I spoke too early. Well, and, you're, and yeah, you're into, you're, you're big time into fishing and also uh, softball, aren't you? Matt was saying that uh, you're really into softball. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the, the tournaments that I've got. I'm, we're, we're playing in actually Raleigh, North Carolina this week. And then September, uh, headed to Vegas for the Worlds. Playing on a really good 55 team. I'm, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a great, great softball player. Matt Stobbs the one that can actually jack a softball. For a little guy, he can hit it a mile. But I enjoy it. I love playing with the guys. And then we're very competitive. Did you ever see the guy that would travel around with two other guys? And it was something, it was called like the king in his court. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I grew up in Fox Hill, Virginia, and they had a fast pitch league. Yeah, and that was big. Yeah, my dad took me to my dad took me to see them, and that was just amazing because my dad played at a just at the the local softball league. Uh, played for his his work. Couldn't believe there was one guy if you've never heard of it. He they used to travel around. I think mainly in the in the southeast, but uh, it was called the King and His Court, and it was one guy who would pitch, and then he had he had two other guys on his team, and one guy would be the catcher, and one guy would be out in the outfield. And the, they would pretty much just challenge any softball team. The three of us are going to beat your whole team. And time right. and time again, they would always win. I could never believe it. Yeah, he was pitching from almost second base, was he not? I mean, he wasn't standing on the mound throwing. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't on the mound. He was way back and he would pitch. And it was just, it was amazing. You'd think, no, come on, how can this possibly be? But every time they'd find a way to pull it out. Well, the bad thing about that is that you got a bunch of holes on defense. But the good thing is you got the same four or five guys coming up offensively. Yeah. So if you get five guys that can hit, it makes it real nice. <laughs> Now, we mentioned or touched on this earlier about uh, having a great partner because I mentioned that the primary relationship, most important relationship, I feel like, is between the, the surface of your paddle and the ball. Number two is between you and your partner and uh, watching videos, little YouTube videos of you at, at you know winning nationals, winning this and that. Uh, you just always strike me as as a really good partner. I, sometimes I can't hear what you're saying, but I get the tone of it and I can I can see, you know, you're, you just always seem to be positive. You're encouraging, uh, you're, you're giving little strategy tips here and there, just little tiny things. It seems like little adjustments. What do you think the key is to being a great partner? Well, if you're talking about just the ability to strike a ball, obviously, just protecting your partner as much as protecting you, hitting shots that are not going to put your partner in, in trouble or, or in a defensive situation as much as you can. For me, that's it. A lot of the guys now are very offensive. And, you know, as long as you can be offensive and be consistently offensive, that certainly is a big deal. But for me, it's just hitting shots that's going to protect your partner. People have realized once you start creating angles for yourself, you're also creating angles for the other team. Yeah. And although that's good, at times it's bad. You got to understand what you're trying to create and when to do it and when not to do it. You know what? Hey, I, how about this for, for great partners? How about the Dawsons as a family? How about Steve Dawson, Callan? Those guys as a father son, which, which I, there's. There's a lot of documented father-son teams out there. Mm -hmm. That's the situation that makes it very difficult, you know, because you, you know, Matt and I are no exception to that. You've grown up with this person and things of that nature, but they're so consistent, so positive. That's the other thing that you're, you're both going to make mistakes. The Dawson's do a very good job of being very positive and hitting the shots to protect their partner. So to me, that's the ultimate, ultimate partners there. What was it about uh, when you and Phil Bagley started playing together? What uh, what clicked between you guys where you knew that, uh, all right, this is a, a pairing that could go all the way? You talk about a good partner. There's not a better partner on earth than Phil Bagley. Phil Bagley, in my mind, back when we won it, I don't think there was an athlete any better in the pickleball scene. So that certainly helped. But he's a, the guy's a saint. The guy never, ever, ever says anything bad. I don't care what the situation is. He's always positive. He's, he's always there for you. And you could not do better than having Phil Bagley as a partner ever. So that certainly made my life a lot easier. Actually, I'm a little more aggressive in that setting. and He kind of calmed me down. Just the ability to get along with the other person, understand you're going to make mistakes and you need to work through those things. Well, what do you do? And that's one of the things, too, when I watch you on video. It seems like that, uh, I mean, every team can kind of get off onto a, a, a bad jag and you know you start losing some points but you guys always seem to find a way to turn it around and it seems like you especially have a way to kind of reverse momentum or to gain momentum back you can just kind of feel it and you can see it turn 
Do you have a system? What happens when you're down or when things aren't going your way? How do you dig out of that hole? How do you reverse the momentum to where it's back on your side? Interesting. I had a, I had a college coach with a good quote. He used to say, Stop, there are three places to play, ahead, even, and behind. The toughest place to play is ahead. And I think that's a very true statement. I think that when you're ahead, unless you're big ahead, unless you're banging the ball, you have no pressure, things of that nature, being ahead is the toughest place. For me, the easiest place to play is from behind, just because for me, I concentrate a little bit better. I can actually loosen up a little bit more at times. People look at that differently. But for me, it's a, it's a mental war as much as physical war. I think pickleball is a lot mental. I mm-hmm. mean, the ability to hit a lot of shots in pickleball do not take you know a lot of st- strategy or a lot of skill. It's the ability to just relax and be able to get the ball down and move it around. So I think those are the things, you know, picking up weaknesses from people. I, I, I was always that way in tennis. I could watch a person in tennis warm up and in five hits off each side, I could tell you which side was stronger. And I feel like that's the same in pickleball. I can look at somebody in, in five strokes and say, okay, that stroke's going to be the stronger of the two. They, neither of them might be weaker, but generally I can pick one of the two. So working that, getting back, getting back to what worked, things of that nature was the best strategy for me. Uh, You'd mentioned a couple of times that uh, you feel like the game definitely is changing and, uh, and it is. Where do you think it's headed uh, in terms of the, I guess, the tennis pros coming in? Um, what's it going to take to win? going forward. So I was thinking about this particular question. So years ago, back when we won the national championship, you know, Tim Nelson, in my mind, he was, he was the icon. He was the guy that started it at that level. He, he was the ability to control the ball at that level. And when I say that, I don't want to say, again, I don't want to say Tim's past tense because that guy is going to come back from law school and he will be one of the best players in the country without a doubt. But his ability, and, and I tell people this all the time, his ability, and w- the way I learned was the ability to take pace off the ball as much or more than put pace on the ball. So back then, you know, ability to take pace off, the ability to control the ball, because I always say as well, the person that controls pickleball the best is the one that wins the match. Mm-hmm. And now what's happened with the new crop of tennis players, the younger guys, they not only have the ability to take pace off the ball, they also had the ability to put pace on the ball. And so now the game's getting sped up a little bit. Now people are taking midcourt balls and blasting them, hitting them hard, hitting them at a body, things of that nature. And then closing really hard to punch the next ball off. So that change in the game has really affected the play, especially at the top. They've got the ability to to get in, hit balls harder at people and put balls away quicker as opposed to being, you know, everything pace off, pace off, pace off. It's going to continue as as the balls continue to get more control, as the paddles continue to get more control, people are going to start doing more and more what they want to do. And in my mind, you see it in singles more than you see it in doubles. Those guys are playing 70s tennis is what they're doing. They're chipping and charging. Beautiful. Well, could you, and you've always represented to me the just the epitome of the less is more strategy. And I guess that when you talk about taking pace off the ball, controlling the ball, I guess that's another way to put that strategy. Is less is more? Is that going to continue to win going forward? Or are you going to have to have a little bit more of the more is more strategy like you were saying? Well, I don't think you can have two defensive players win at where, where pickleball is going right now. I think that here's the situation. When you get the opportunity to be offensive in pickleball, especially at the top level, you have to do so. You cannot, you cannot give away a situation where you've created a situation you can, where you can be offensive and not do something with the ball because all you've done is let them back into a, into a rally and they're going to create a situation where they're going to be offensive and they're going to be able effective to do that. W- without a doubt, you're still going to have to be consistent. You know, and, and can consistency win by itself? Absolutely, but probably not all the time, and probably not all 100 percent time. You're going to have to be you're going to have to be, have the ability to create some offense. Well, a lot of people are talking about the serve. I don't see a major issue with the serve, and I think I think that's another thing that that's changing in the game right now is that 
before it wasn't a huge deal. There weren't a, there were a couple people that had a good serve. Tim Nelson was one. Matthew Blom was another one. But now you're seeing a lot of folks that have a, a, a good serve, have ability to hit the serve with depth and with pace, which creates a not so strong return. So a lot of my clinic work is people need to realize how important those two are, the, the serve and the serve return. Huge. You've got to be able to hit them with depth. Brian, what about the new rating system that everybody's talking about, uh, where you're not just going to be a 4.0 or a 4.5, you're going to be a 14.80 and an 18.20, you know, based on your recent performances? Chris, I think I think it's, it's going to be imperative that we develop consistency in ratings, because I think everybody benefits from that. So anything that we can do to make sure that a 4.0 is a 4.0, a 4.5 is a 4.5, a 5.0 is a, is a 5.0, and that they have the ability to play as such is going to be huge. This certainly makes it a little bit more specific, certainly quantifies what each one looks at or looks for in rating a person at that level. That's going to be huge. The other part of that is, and I've said this all along, you know, I think I think we're much better off as raters pushing down than up, meaning we're better off if we've got a person that's a borderline, maybe not even a 5-0, we, you know, everybody wants to be pushed up to a 5-0. I think, I think the objective here is to, if you're a 4-5, you play at the 4-5 level. And if you're five zero, you play at the five zero levels, and you try to identify what that particular level is. I think the new rating is going to do that. It's going to provide you opportunities to be a little bit more specific. I think the education piece is going to be huge. How we teach people and how to use the system is going to be huge, and the consistency we have throughout the country of, of ability to use the system is going to be huge as well. I'm, I'm excited about it. Do you have any hard and fast rules where, like? If this happens, I am absolutely going to do this. Like when I was talking with Matt, he said, uh, so I said something about uh, a short return. And he said, boy, if somebody hits me a short return, I am absolutely 100% going to drive it back at him. Um, do you have any things where you, there's not even, you, you know, throw shot selection out. If this happens, I am going to do this all the time. Well, I, I, the one you just mentioned is huge. I mean, if you, if you can generate enough on your serve to create a short return, naturally you're getting to the ball a lot faster. They're hitting the ball from a lot further back in the court than they would because you've hit a little bit more pace. That's a huge, and you got to be able to take advantage of that. That that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you can set up things like that too. And in, in, when you start in a dink wars, you know, once you become familiarized with dink wars, what you're trying to do, what your strategy is, and you get a certain ball, I, I like to create angle. Makes it a little tougher now. The new guys have the ability to run around and slap it around the post, but creating angles huge as well. Mm-hmm. Just looking for that. I'll look to put angle on a ball anytime I can. What about lobbing? You've, you've never been much of a lob guy. Yeah, well, you, you know, you, you play with Phil Bagley. A lot of people try, <laughs> a lot of people try to lob Phil Bagley. I've seen a lot of people lead a pickleball, and I tell you, you can, you can leave marks, and he's left marks on me before. Um, yeah, you know what, though? So, so does, does lobbing have a place in the game at the 4-0 level, at the 3-5 level? Absolutely. Does it have a place in the game at the top? It does, but it's a different type of lob. It's more of a short hop type of lob, something that a person's hitting a shot from a short hop situation where there's no way you can read racket face, racket paddle. They just have the ability to hit it, in it and as soon as they hit it, it's gone. You know, maybe you're trying to close, you're trying to, you know, I, I believe one person's always closing faster than the other person anyway, but maybe you're trying to create a hard close because of something's created and maybe a short hop lob gets hit and it's over your head before you can do it. I think that's an effective lob, mm-hmm. uh, certainly once you get overhead. Uh, again, they're going to run back mo- a lot of times and just softly put it back in the kitchen. Is there a place for it? Yes. Is it a consistent shot? No, because somebody wants you short hop it two or three times from a particular position. Somebody's just going to back up a little bit and, you know, maybe a foot and hit an overhead off the next one. But it does have a place in the game. Gotcha. Oh, I got to tell you that uh, one of the things, the third shot video 
that you and Matt did with Rusty at Pickleball Channel, if there is one thing that I can show people, and I've said this before, one thing that I could show them when they start out, I mean, that to me was the ultimate light bulb moment when I first started out and just trying to figure out how to play and I'm watching, you know, watching the YouTube videos, watching you and Phil win nationals and stuff. And, uh, but boy, when that third shot video came out, boom, that made more of a difference than anything before or since. So uh, I, I thanked Matt when I saw him in Charlotte, but I wanted to thank you as well for that and for the, all the videos that uh, you've done under the Poach brand, your Poach PB brand. Uh, they've really, really been a tremendous help. That's awesome. So so I got a small little story to tell about that. So I, I told Rusty on the onset that, hey, Rusty, no problem. You turn the camera on. I, I don't need any cueing prompt and I'll be, I'll be fine. So, you know, Rusty turns the camera on. Of course, he wants me to use specific words. About five hours later, I think I got my two-line take <laughs> correct. I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest marble in the closet or anything like that, but pretty interesting that that, that one took me the longest time. But, uh, yeah, I think that was just more than strategy. That's talking about people understand where, where an apex of a shot needs to be. If you understand where the apex of that shot needs to be, and, okay, well, if my ball's not hitting that apex, I'm not hitting it correctly anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, what's happened now, the game again changed a little bit, and people have gotten a lot more aggressive with that third shot ball. But for a person that's learning the game, for a person that's an intermediate player, that's imperative. You have to be able to hit that ball in the apex on your side of the net and understand that that ball falling into the kitchen is, is going to give you what you need to do to you know to get through the kitchen and be able to create a dink wall, is what I call it. That was really the key, because like most people, I was assuming that you wanted to, the apex to be over the net, uh, because right. that's you know what you're trying to get over, so you want that to be the highest point. But uh, it was when you showed that you want it to be descending into the kitchen and the apex right. to be on your side, boy, that was the light bulb moment. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's always made a because, tremendous well, difference. Well, one of the worst things you do is miss a third shot. I mean, there are times you're going to miss it because especially now in the game, because people are doing more with the returns and more with the serves, but just for a ball that you have sitting on your paddle, you know, you have to be able to hit that third shot and be able to, you know, move into the net. And Mm -hmm. and I think the top of the game, they're doing a really great job of that right now. Any other strategy tips or techniques or anything? How's your beer, by the way? Okay. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. No, no problem at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Hold on now. The the title is splitting a six pack with Brian Staub. So I got to get number three here. So you're doing good. Officially split the six pack here. All All right. right. There we go. Now I I interrupted you. Sorry about that. No, I, you know, a lot of people are looking, a lot of people are getting coaching and things like that. And before, before, you know, I wasn't a huge proponent of, especially in dinks of putting a lot of spin on the ball, things like that. Everybody has their way of coaching. But I think from the game going forward, I think if you're a player out there and you're looking to get better, you absolutely have to match up your abilities to what your coach is providing you. What I mean by that is this. So now all of a sudden you're looking at guys that are absolutely, maybe your coach believes in destroying this ball or hitting this ball hard or creating this, this opening. You might not have the physical abilities or you might have, not have the racket abilities to create that shot. I think you need to look and mat- the folks need to match that up. That's not a proponent that I'm a- any better a coach than anybody else because I'm not doing a lot of coaching. People know that. But if your game is you're, you're a middle-aged person and you're looking to be able to take pace off to control the ball and that's the way you're going to win, that's big. You're probably not going to start trying to drive forehands from the baseline, things of that nature. So you need to match up your coach. That's going to be a huge part for people as they go forward. And also understanding their strengths and their weaknesses what they're going to be able to do and what they're not going to be able to do. I don't, I don't go out there and, and look at people that are absolutely um, running around the court of Kyle Yates, who, you know, I'm a firm, I'm a proponent of, 
being able to work your way through no man's land, things like that. Well, Kyle has the ability to move through the no man's land very quickly. So if you hit a bad shot, he's going to make you punish it. That's a great shot. That's a great strategy. Is that a strategy that's probably going to work for, you know, a 60, 65 year old person? Probably not. It's probably going to be a little more controlled. So mm-hmm. look at, look at what you're, what you're, what you want out of the game. Well, and that's one of the things too, when, when at the beginning, when I said that you're the total package, you know, not only the brains and the mental toughness, but the physical ability as well. You also have the ability, cause I've seen some of the videos uh, that you guys have posted where you've done training and uh, you have the ability to, to bring it, you know, on the court, but you also have the ability to explain it and articulate it and make it relatable to people and also adjust the strategy for different uh, ability levels, different age groups, that kind of thing. You know, there are some players, you know, like baseball players, they can't explain, you know, how to hit a curveball because to them, they've never not been able to hit one. They just think, oh, you just stand at the plate and the ball comes in, you swing and you hit it. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you are able to explain to people you know, why something works, why you need to do this, uh, the reasons behind it, uh, what's going to happen afterwards and how you need to adjust to it afterwards. So that, again, is another one of those rare gifts that I think you have. Chris, I think that boils down to mechanics. I think to have the ability to hit that shot, you have to know what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish with the shot. That's a huge part. I think a lot of people have the ability to teach that. But I think the, the ability to break down mechanics, and I was, I was that, like that in tennis as well. I was a mechanics freak. I'm like that in pickleball. I think you have to have the proper mechanics to be able to hit that shot as well. So, thank you. Well, that to me has to be one of the top reasons to attend Pickleball Summit in Indianapolis. I mean, yeah, Gigi is there, no-brainer. Matthew Blom is there. People loved him in Charlotte. You've got Robert and Jody Elliott. You play with them every day. You know their coaching abilities. Mark Rennison, you faced off against him in Canada, and uh, you were impressed with his playing and coaching abilities. I mean, what uh, what are... To, to you, besides your ability to walk the walk and talk the talk, would be one of the top reasons to uh, come to Indianapolis and attend Pickleball Summit. How about this one? You got Gigi Lamaster, who, in my mind, is probably as good a mixed partner in understanding the stacking and what she likes to do and what she likes to set up and what she likes her partner to do to create a winning strategy. So if you're a young lady and that is which, you know, you like playing mixed a lot or even uh, women's doubles a lot. I think Gigi has probably as good a grasp of the strategy of that setting as anybody in the game. Now, there's a lot of people that do a lot more with a pickleball than Gigi does, ground strokes, things of that nature. But Gigi is so effective at what she does. She'd be an awesome one to take a look at. So please don't overlook that opportunity. That is a great point, Brian. And I want to thank you for joining us on this special 75th episode, which turned into the 76th episode of the Pickleball Show. Splitting a six-pack with Brian Staub could not have been more fun. Well, there's one thing that would be more fun, and that's sharing the court with Brian Staub. Also sharing the court with Gigi Lamaster, Matthew Blom, Robert Elliott, Jody Elliott, Mark Rennison. They're all going to be at Pickleball Summit Midwest. Indianapolis, Indiana, October 14th, 15th, 16th. Get your tickets right now. This is the best time because in the month of August, you can buy one ticket, get the next ticket for half price. Bring a partner for half price. Just go to pickleballsummit.com and get your tickets. Lock in your place on the court right now. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. 
The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.